Welcome to Startups United. This is an interview series podcast with aspiring entrepreneurs in the international community who have turned their business dreams into reality. This space is to give a shout out to those crazy entrepreneurs by sharing their ideas and motivating aspiring entrepreneurs with these extraordinary stories. Today we're going to have our first episode with Miroslav Tadic from Serbia. He and his co-founder, a physicist, developed their own application and wearable devices so they can measure signals from our bodies and to make unique designs in AR environment. We're going to talk about the history about artisan tech, how they started, where are they now, what things they will have done different, and also what they keep them motivated to continue in this entrepreneurial life. After their attempt, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be many more. I oh, guess yeah, so too. So welcome, Miroslav, to for having me. Start to swing night. Um, the purpose of bringing you here is to know more about your entrepreneur life and your story, and what are you up to now. Um, so let's keep it shorted, and please tell us a little bit about you. Uh, so thanks for the introduction. I'm. Miroslav Mire from Serbia, uh, currently in Korea in my third year, in doing PhD in architecture, so doing research right now, um, my second year of PhD, and yeah, I mean that's mostly my life, uh, I try to play sports as well, uh, I try to be involved in the startup community. Uh, I'm interning in one startup here in Seoul right now and just trying to make another company, I guess. That's good to hear. Um, and I hope you're enjoying Seoul life. I am. I am. Right now I am. I wasn't when I first came, but I am. Okay. That's really good to hear yeah. and great. Um, so let's go back to Serbia when you were living there. Yeah. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit more about your company that you were running? So, today is 2019. I had a company in 2015, but the idea, it started as an idea, and that idea started a long time ago in my, during my um, university in Serbia. I think. 2004 or five is the year when I first encountered this issue or problem. And there was this, so studying architecture in Serbia, there was this gap in my education, between my education and my understanding of design in architecture. And there was no answer to be found in any of the books I wrote read or any of the people I talked to or any of the professors I talked to. So, and it has to do with how we perceive the space around us and how we in turn design that space. So there was this massive gap for me. I always struggled producing some form because there's just a lot of unanswered questions. And I started to wonder if there can be a way of you know, understanding more, more deeply how we feel about the space around us. So then in turn, we can make better spaces for ourselves and for others. 
And the, the idea started back there a long time ago, and it's been brewing inside of me for a long time. And in 2014, I was working in uh, not a very good job uh, in architecture. And my friend, one of my closest friends, he's again a physicist turned programmer. <laughs> so a very wow. strange story, but a very successful story. He got into programming at the time. Uh, he got into startup world a little bit. He knew about some uh, funding programs uh, sponsored by European Euro European Commission. Mm -hmm. He introduced some of those programs to me and then I looked into it. I didn't know, I knew about startups. I didn't know how it really worked, the funding, European Commission, the policy. Serbia is not part of EU, but we have access to some of those funds. So it's it's a big mess and but I was getting tired of my job I just wanted to try it and I had this idea I talked to him about it and we decided to go for it so we found one of the one fund that could be good for us that supported creative industries um, and we got it it was looking back at it it was kind of a miracle and I'm grateful for it because we've both invested a lot of our personal money into it. When I say a lot, it's relative for Serbia terms, but at the time it was a lot for us. A lot of time and money we put into it and we got it. So we started the company early 2015. It ran for, the funding ran for nine months. We were lucky because it was essentially government money or European Union money. Um, and the accelerator we were in, it lasted for nine months and they didn't take any equity, which is different from many of the uh, privately run uh, incubators or accelerators. So the program, I enjoyed the program very much. I learned a lot. I, uh, coming from the background, I, I come from mm -hmm. architecture and design. I didn't know much about business. I didn't, I knew a little bit, but I didn't have a formal education, so I had to catch up by reading articles and books and doing seminars and courses. And they provide a lot as well. So there were workshops, there were, there were talks and webinars and stuff like that, meetups and uh, community events all around Europe that we attended during the program. And I enjoyed it so very much. And the product that we made was basically based on that idea. Mm -hmm. It was essentially a mobile app uh, that used signals from wearable devices um, that we that we actually ended up making ourselves. So we used do-it-yourself, um, you know, material kind of like Bitalino. Okay. It's called Bitalino, but it's kind of like a, a um, Arduino board for wearable devices. For wearable devices. Uh -huh. So um, we used the signal from that we got from human body from wearable devices. Um, to kind of make unique design shapes in your mobile app in AR environment to like another layer of complexity. Yeah, it sounds like very so, complex um, type yeah, of business because you're mixing architecture, you're mixing emotions, you're mixing it was this um, big, AR and like, yeah. yeah. It was this big mix of, like you said, a big mix of everything. So. From architecture, we scaled down to smaller design because it was uh, mobile. Uh, mobile technology was not that strong as it is now. Mm -hmm. So 
the processing powers were limited and so we scaled down from architecture to smaller designs and essentially a mix of design and uh, biosensor technology and AR for presentation and mobile technologies and cloud plus the proprietary technology of the uh, this big organization that we were involved in mm -hmm. uh, that was that was the, the terms of the contract like we had to use some of their technologies in order for them to give us money okay so there was this big mix of everything and I think that was you know one of the first rules that <laughs> we kind of broke with our idea that somewhere along the line in my startup education I kind of I heard this line that um, you should be able to explain your startup to your grandmother, you know, to a person yeah, that a person who doesn't knows about the business knows absolutely nothing. Yeah. But in all these years, I haven't found an easy way to describe that idea. I right? think it's very, very complex, and that so, and I think that was like one of the indicators that it might not have been like a good first project, mm -hmm. but. We did make it, we made a prototype, we proved the concept, we connected the technologies, it worked up to a point. But it was, for both of us, it was the first project. Uh, we didn't really know, there were so many new aspects to mm -hmm. it. Opening and running a company, uh, business aspect, marketing aspect, the development aspect of all the new technologies that we were using, and then presenting it and then commercializing it so it was a lot to deal with um, in the business. So in this point, you're talking about business now. Yeah. Uh, what were you part on it? What, what you were doing? What was your role on it? I was doing business development mostly. Okay. And it was essentially two of us with other people as advisors, but essentially the two of us were, were co-founders. Uh, he was doing all the development, um, all the uh, techno technology based aspect and I was doing well both design and and business part if you take like the three basic parts of startup I was doing the two and he was doing the technology um, so yeah I, I was in charge of making the pitch deck the presenting to the first the panel of judges then to investors after and um, doing the the business model developing the you know, pricing and everything or whatever, dealing with the money and then making the design, making the um, the website at the time and the uh, Facebook page, the, you know, all the social network thing. So how that went, like how you start doing all that stuff and you didn't have like, just like for example, like school preparation for that. Yeah. Like what do you think it helped you the most for achieve um, like those goals, like doing the pitch, the correct pitch deck, like doing um, a good marketing, doing like a good finance. Like what did, did you think it helped you to achieve those goals well, you had? To be clear, I don't think I did a very good job on, on <laughs> most of them. But I still did them. Mm -hmm. And I did them because they needed to be done. And I didn't really question, you know, that part because we were in it we decided to go into it and from that moment on there was no going back because also we didn't want to go back mm -hmm. because we liked it we liked what was ahead of us and we got confirmation that we were on the right track because we got the funding so 
we didn't really want to go back. So I just took it as a challenge and I, I had some, you know, basic knowledge of all of those aspects because I read a lot, I take free courses, I just pick up information along the way, I talk to people. So I did have kind of a lot of second, ba second hand knowledge, but it all needed to be upgraded. Okay. And just the fact that it needed to be done, for me that meant, you know, I'm going to do it. Yeah, like enough reasons to start like going into it and yeah. get yeah. things done. Yeah. yeah. So probably one thing to learn is like, whatever, if you didn't like, you don't know how to do it, like, and you need to be done, like just go and do it. Exactly, just do one thing at a time. So for example, if you mentioned the pitch deck, the first pitch deck I, I made was <laughs> just Googling, like what is a pitch deck? And then you read and you watch YouTube tutorials and then pitch deck templates and then, you know, how to make a good pitch deck and mm -hmm. just go into it and try and practice with your friends, the delivery and then I remember the, the, the first, I remember it stands even to this day that uh, a perfect pitch deck is maybe 10 to 12 slides, like 15 at the most. Yeah. And I did that. I made a pitch deck with like 10 slides, I think. But my delivery was like 30 minutes or 25 minutes, like just talking and explaining the idea on those 10 slides, which of course defies the purpose because you should be able to deliver it in five or eight minutes. Yeah, exactly. Like make it short, right? simple. And then I just thought, <laughs> because I, I, I have this, like this is my project, this is my idea, this is my story, I have so much to say, even though it's 10 slides, I can just talk forever on it. So then when it was time to practice, I was, I invited a friend and he timed me, timed me without even, without, without me knowing it. And it was tw over 20 minutes. <laughs> that was, was your first. Pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized that, you know, it's not just the pitch deck that needs to be scaled down. Mm -hmm. It's my thinking. It's my, my mindset, my, okay. my, my mind. So it was just one lesson at a time, like one lesson after another. And, you know, you take the feedback, you take the comments, you go back to the workshop and either do it all, all over again or you fix it and then reiterate it. Okay. So you continue building on it, like just continue going forward. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That sounds nice. So just tell me now, um, where is now? Where is this company now? Non-existent. <laughs> Um, thing um, is, yeah, like, what would be the, the main reason that happened? <sighs> or so the main reason? I think the answer for that changed. Um, when people asked me that, I used to tell them we ran out of money. Mm -hmm. And also at the time, another big reason is that because we ran out of money and I didn't find a new round, quick enough, my partner, um, who is married and has two kids and had the same two kids at the time, just younger, of course, um, was in a 
more difficult, much more difficult financial situation than I was. Um, so he just couldn't handle it and he needed to find a steady job and he did. Um, so I saw it as kind of, I took it very personal, mm -hmm. not that I was angry at him, not at all. It was just, I didn't know how to move on from there. So my co-founder left and I was left all alone and I just didn't know you know where to go from there because there was no way I can continue developing the product myself I had no money to pay for another developer mm -hmm. but mostly I lost a co-founder so just finding a, a co-founder seemed like an impossible task because this guy was my friend is still my friend mm -hmm. so working with a friend and not because he's a friend but because you know that person yeah is in my mind, the best way, if not the only way to do, you know, a startup founding base. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't see myself choosing randomly a new person to be a co-founder or to be a managing director or... Um, but so that, that was the answer I used to give. And essentially that is what happened. But I think now when I look back at it, I would say the main reason the company is no longer existing is because I stopped pushing for it. Like I decided to um, pull the brakes, mm -hmm. if you will, because I couldn't see how it can move on, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, you didn't see like an exit. Yeah, like, I didn't see... Like an exit from that problem a of the founder a solution. Yeah. On how to continue, yeah. On how going forward, yeah, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I think it stopped because of me, like I because I was. It was my idea. Was like he did. Oh, so much heavy lifting. Like most mm -hmm. of the heavy lifting was done by him, and it, it could never have been done without him. But I see it as kind of it was my spark. It was my idea. So it was my responsibility to keep the spark alive, yeah. right? And I didn't. So because of that, the spark went out, or at least I put it out what I thought was uh, temporarily, mm -hmm. because I, I thought of it as the opportunity to regroup and replan. But, you know, here we are four years later and I'm still regrouping. Okay. So what would be like the, this thing to have, you will have done differently? when your co-founder left and you were alone in the company what would be like this like first thing you would have done differently just stay with it because stay with it in the sense stay with the momentum of the entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. even though that sounds abstract and poetic yeah um i still might have like shut the project down and shut the company down but if i had stayed with that momentum of you know being connected to the community and with the people i was connected to the whole year um even if i pivoted the the, the same project or 
completely change direction to another project and try to find you know funding or a co-founder for for another project i think things would have been different okay but instead i chose to completely turn directions to where i am now which is to try to pursue the same project or a similar project through an academic and research uh, track mm -hmm. or way. Um, and I don't regret it really. I love being here. I think being in Korea and doing what I do taught me a lot and changed me in a way that I'm really enjoying right now. <clears throat> But having said that, I thought that, you know, coming back to the startup path from this one would be easier and faster. And it's not. Mm -hmm. So you thought like, like giving this break to regroup or to rethink maybe our people of it, um, it will give you like time and help to improve it for the future but now you feel it's different to come back to the same idea. Yeah, it's kind of, not yet. I'm not really, I'm not necessarily looking to come back to the same idea, but yeah, I was gonna stay with the idea to some extent and try to, you know, either find another product out of the idea or mm -hmm. another service, another startup, if you will. But m what I was looking for most of all is just being abroad, you know, coming to Korea as one of the most advanced countries in the world yeah. and doing PhD here and trying to, you know, make a startup on the side, I saw as a very um, big opportunity mm -hmm. for whatever. I just didn't, I had no idea how uh, long it would take me to actually get into the subject matter of my research and also I had no idea I, I, I think I you know overestimated the free time I would have or the distances in Seoul uh, or just the, the startup community here so things are moving mm -hmm. moving forward things are happening just not as fast or as efficient as I would have thought. Okay, so um, now we saw like you told the story about your company and going back to it for a while. Um, what were the characteristics of your co-founder? Like you think like that person was the one to ask to join your company at the first place? Why, what was he, you chose him instead of other person? his problem-solving attitude mm -hmm. his that like his his, his personality his spirit mm -hmm. um, so he's a type of a person who so I mentioned this earlier I think but uh, he graduated f with a physics degree yeah astrophysics nothing to do with in Serbia there's no work for astrophysicists <laughs> Um, and he realized that, so he started teaching himself coding. And the way he, he approaches things is he finds something 
he, if he finds a topic intriguing, he would spend hours and days and months reading and researching and learning about that topic and he's, until he's satisfied, which okay. in his standards means that he gets pretty good at stuff over time. So from being, you know, a jobless astrophysicist to being proficient in I don't even know how many computer languages yeah. and technologies and now working as a data scientist for for one of like very successful uh companies back home and that's just you know the corporate end of it, what he did for our startup was science fiction because he just managed to put together this Frankenstein of a product <laughs> that uses so many different technologies that he had zero idea about. Because when we talked about it as an idea, he was like, I understand <laughs> what you're saying, I understand your idea, but I have no idea how to do it right now. Okay. And he didn't at the time, but he managed to make a prototype. Okay. So, yeah, and I think that's one of the things you look at him. Like, he was eager to, to look for the information to um, go forwards and find solution of the problem you were having, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was the main thing. And what would be like a red flag um, if you needed to find another co-founder? Like... Because you said, like, at some point that you were left alone and you didn't find someone else to continue. If you have um, look for someone, what would be like a red flag for say, like, this person is not coming here, even he has the knowledge of the language, the computer language, to do the program you, you want to do. Uh, that's a very good question and I think a very difficult one to answer with just you know one answer I guess um, I don't know so red flags for me red flag can be anything yeah but mostly Mostly, I would say it's about how person how a person reacts to situations, to social encounters, to situations under pressure, to you know relaxed situations when we go when we go out drinking. And there's no easy way to tell it in the beginning, mm -hmm. which is why I still feel all these years after that. It's very hard, to, for me at least, so I can't speak for other people, but, and I know that other people have met co-founders, you know, at a conference or online, and then they started successful businesses, so it's possible. But for me, just thinking about it, I would have to know the person really well. And that kind of takes time. Yeah. Because you need those situations where you can test each other, mm -hmm. you know, from personal relationships to situations under pressure different kinds of you know yeah like situations where you can like see how the persons react 
Yeah. And how, um, yeah, how basically they react and tell yeah. different uh, environments. I guess. And for me, it's not all about, you know, pure business situations. Mm -hmm. If you're really lucky and really privileged, I guess you would have that. You would see that person in a business and with customers before you start a business with the person. But I tend to draw value from any situation I can assess on my own. So, for example, if I'm uh, playing a game of football with somebody, I can tell a lot, mm -hmm. you know, or basketball. I can tell a lot from about that person from the way he plays his okay. sport, because I've played for a long time. So now I kind of have this um, assessment system, mm -hmm. like a yeah, to tell how the person behaves, especially mm -hmm. in a team sport. So is he a passer? Is he a shooter? Is he if we're talking about basketball, yeah. is he a team player? Is he just there to show off to nobody because usually there's nobody watching the recreational <laughs> games? Like, is he doing it for himself, right? Mm -hmm. And in team sport, it's a, it's a very easy thing to do. It's a very easy thing to assess. Like after one game, you can kind of get a feel for the person. For the person. So you might say like, if you want to find like a co-founder, um, do you need to look the person like if you are in a basketball game like assess him like if you're in a basketball game yeah. for example like but in their real life in real life but it can be really anything like i i found over the years that another very good way to judge people is when you go out with them mm -hmm. so um at a dinner table like how the person behaves mm -hmm. what are his manners um is he rude to the staff, how he treats other people, how he treats like the opposite sex, mm -hmm. the same sex, um, how the person is when they drink. Okay. So after a few drinks and when, when they get super drunk as well, if you have that luxury to meet somebody when, when they're super drunk, I think that's also a very, you know, telling situation. Yeah. It is. So, it, it, are they someone that pass out completely and then don't remember? Are they aggressive? Are they just rude? Are they loud and fun? Mm -hmm. um, so, you, you're, what is, at the end of this, so what you're saying is that to find a co-founder, like at least for you, um, do we look at the person? Yeah. Do we look like, definitely. like how the person is? Yeah. How they behave? Yeah. And I think that's also super important. Um, because at the end of the day, anyone, well, it can be different. Like you can learn faster or slower, but at the end you can learn to code in your case for your business. Right. But yeah, but I think that the, the matching personalities um, and feeling good in the business area yeah, so. is really, really You important. have to click. You have to, yeah. you know, be on, on the same page with so many things yeah. because and I think maybe it's kind of like, kind of a relationship it is you need it to is match you need to make like yeah perfect so just now going forward like where are we now um, 2019 um, you tell me that your company stopped like four years ago 
two, four years after we are now here. We are here yeah. right now. Um, how you are still motivated, like to continue looking for ideas or to continue like this way or this path of research to go to your previous idea, business idea. Like, like many of the people probably were like, oh my God, I failed. I will stop here and get a nine to five job. But you're here, like trying to go forward. Like what yeah. keeps you, what pushes you to go forward? Just the, it's actually, at this point, it's very simple. It's just the real, realization that I can't have a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not made for it. I, and I've had so much experience with it so far that I just realized that that's not for me. Just the lack of lack of freedom mm -hmm. to organize your own time is essential for me, I think. Um, so for some people, having that steady salary, steady income, and security that a regular job offers is crucial. And I would definitely like that. But, you know, under my own... And your own business. Under like, my own conditions. Yeah. yeah. So even if I don't have all the money I would like to have, I still prefer my freedom. I still mm -hmm. prefer the, my time than anything else. So just that, you know, realization and that knowledge after testing out like so many different jobs and tef testing out so many different um, opportunities, I get the same answer. So it's easy just going forward, realizing that I have to have a startup because if I don't, then what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're not going to an office with a tie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think about that also. But that's a good motivation, but, um, uh, but I think, yeah, those are good motivation you have right now. But what also keeps you motivated on um, looking for ideas, looking for solutions? There's another thing that pushes you. Sure, I mean, it's the stuff I'm interested in. So the idea, the original idea that I had for, for the previous startup, it's something that's been bothering me for 15 years now. Wow. So it's a question that's burning inside of my mind and there's no answer for it. Not good enough for me. So it's just, why isn't there an answer? Like there has to be something to it. And, and there is, it's just, there hasn't been, you know, a good solution yet in, in the form of a product or a book or anything that actually gives that explanation. So just looking for that answer for any you know, question, for any uh, problem, that's, that's the thrill. That's you know, the thrill of a hunt, yeah. kind of. Like trying to find it. Just like looking for it. It's exciting. It's, it's, that's essentially what gives me drive. Okay, so, so that's a really good, good takeaway that you're really looking for an answer to yeah. your, like, whatever question that you have. Yeah, I guess And that's a good, I think, motivation that keeps you 
you going forward? Because probably you can change an idea, like today you have one idea, tomorrow have another business idea. Yeah. But if you have like that core problem and you want to find the answer yeah. to it, I think it's a good motivation to keep you going forward. Yeah, I would say. I, w I would say that's that's on on the point, um, and I guess I can confirm that also by you know having over the years having multiple other ideas mm -hmm. that I've either abandoned before I even started thinking about them, or that I've developed up to the point where. I have the basic market research and I have the pitch deck and I've presented it at an event, but, and I might have even gotten some small reward for it, meaning there is potential there, mm -hmm. but I haven't really done anything about it because I just don't, don't feel passionate about it. Like I see this opportunity, I see this other problem that's there and I try to develop it into something, but I just don't want to stay with it because I know that I will not. It, it's not something that interests me. Okay, and I, and I like the word you said, like passion. Like that's something that really moves people and it's yeah. moving you. It's a passion of, of architecture. Right. And to find that solution. Well, yeah, specific areas about, in architecture. Yeah, about that yeah. area of architecture yeah, and like yeah. um, psychology and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, passion is really, really important. So um, just for wrapping up, um, and one last question. Now that like, you're here in Seoul, Korea, finishing your PhD in the startup scene, looking forward to doing your own startup again, what would be one thing that you learned in the past experience and you would like do it differently today? Um, thinking about the startup itself and the product, there were so many, and the, the whole experience that we had, <clears throat> I think there were so many little details I uh, spent my time on mm -hmm. that were not important in that stage. Us? Like a Facebook page. Like if you don't have customers, like you don't really need a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Like even a website, I mean, it, it should have just been one landing page describing with like our contact info. Because for the nine months, sure, people were asking for our website, but if you don't have a product you're selling, there's no reason for you to have, you know, Fully, there's no content to put like what what can you put there and that that's something I I discovered as well like I tried to make this full-blown web page but there was just nothing to be put there mm -hmm. um, so I would just focus on developing the prototype developing the product itself and I would do it in a way that it gives me the MVP, the, the minimum viable minimum product, product, as soon as possible so that I can start selling at least one part of it or 
the first phase of it so that I can start generating revenue and have mm. after a few months some numbers to show to investors. Okay, so you're saying that you're going to go and focus on creating and developing your product to sell. Yeah. Like, instead of like desk job, desk job of creating the web page and like probably it's important but so no I'm not saying those things are not important yeah. they are but setting up priorities yeah mm -hmm. like being a lean startup being you know alone or having one co-founder it's impossible to do all of it at once yeah it's impossible and that was I think our my biggest mis mistake because my partner was mainly focused on development so he had like one job I had many jobs and not that I'm, I'm not complaining I'm just remembering like I mm -hmm. had many jobs and I tried to do all of them instead of doing you know prioritizing and doing one and then the other and then the third one it's impossible to do all of them yeah. on a high level and you shouldn't also at that level you should focus on on the core you yeah. should focus on what focus matters on the most product. focus on selling exactly yeah. focus on I would say getting customers, okay. like get, reaching that first milestone where no matter how ugly the product is or uh, unsellable, mm -hmm. you should focus on that first point when you, when you can actually offer it to, to people. Yeah, because at the end, how you're going to survive if it's in your product, yeah. not by having a f nice Facebook page. Exactly. And like this amazing website. So, yeah. Website. It it's, helps, but you need to sell the product. You need to sell it. And I think that that's one of the biggest things I've learned from that previous experience. Just being a perfectionist mm -hmm. and being somebody who likes things to look nice and to actually be nice, it's not always possible to do in the early stages. Okay. So a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of early stages moves in, involve hustling mm -hmm. and kind of patching things together with what you have, even if like yeah, talking about like resources and money and um, technologies and uh, people management and just everything basically, you need to just make it work and just put something together that you can then perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like probably it can be like a good take of like away um to have like this huge massive task a lot of tasks you need to do yeah start working on them yeah prioritize of course but don't make be a perfectionist on each of them and that's time. that yeah that's a great takeaway it's just sometimes easier said than done yeah, completely because i think for me realizing that recently is that it took all of this time to learn that actually, you know, it took one failed startup and all of this time after that to be able to let go of some things up to a point. I'm still having trouble with a lot of, a lot of them, but for some of them, I'm, I'm learning to, you know, let go and just focus on the important stuff. But I believe that, that one um, certain point is to realize that you are, you need to focus on be better on this point, specific mm, point, mm, mm. and that's a good thing you have it now. 
yeah. and that you're working on it and you're going to do it really well for your next business. Hopefully so. Yes. And for sure, we're going to invite you again to this interview when you're making your six figures like in one day. I'm, I'm, I'm counting on it. <laughs> I'm counting on it because that will be my, you know, before and after shot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Something else you want to say? Um, yeah, just, you know, stay with it. I think that was, that was one of the biggest takeaway for all the, you know, people struggling. If you feel, you know, no matter what your reason is for going into the startup world, if you feel that you belong there, just stay with it, you know, take a break, go, you know, on a vacation to Jeju, <laughs> to wherever, <laughs> um, but just don't quit, no matter how hard it is, if you really want to be an entrepreneur. Just stay with it, build the momentum, it takes time, and once you build it, it gets, it only gets easier. So just stay with it and go forward. That's interesting. And thank you for all of your tips. Thank you for all your story and I hope people listening and watching us and reading us will feel motivated and continue their momentum as you're, you're saying. Hopefully I, I did give you some, some good tips. Um, yeah, and good luck to all your viewers and listeners. Perfect, thank you and see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>